Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here. We're veteran educators who've created the Teach Different Conversation podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper, listen with more intention, and understand each other better. If you're a parent, educator, or anybody who wants to think in new ways that build real understanding about what's important in life and to help others do the same, then you've come to the perfect place. Welcome, everybody, to the Teach Different podcast. Uh, tonight, we're really excited to have a, a, a real leader in, in the community in, in the Chicago area, uh, Scott Stewart, who's going to be introducing himself when he, he weighs in the, on the quote. He's got some teaching experience. He works with the youth in, in, in development. He's really developing leaders of, of the next generation. So can't wait to, to hear uh, from him. Uh, for those unfamiliar, we're going to work through the Teach Different method. We have a, a Navajo saying today, a quote that I'll share with you in a minute. We'll get the claim of that quote, tell some stories, what does it mean, then we'll disagree with it, work a little counterclaim, that critical thinking piece where we, uh, we push against it a little bit, and then we're going to devise a, a question that hopefully we'll, we'll um, arrive at sometime at near the end of the conversation, something unresolved that we can uh, leave with people so you can think about this moving forward. So with that intro, here we go. I'm going to say the quote twice, and then Scott, you're going to weigh in. You can't wake a person who is pretending to be asleep. You can't yeah. wake a person who's pretending to be asleep. All right, a very mysterious quote. What's your take on this, Scott? And after you introduce yourself, welcome to Teach Different. Well, thank you for having me, Dan and Steve. My name is Scott Stewart, Big Stew, Professor Stewart. It really depends on how you know me. Uh, I am a businessman who found the passion of teaching back in 2001. So I've been teaching formally for about 20 years, just over 20 years now. Uh, I am still an Illinois State Board of Education certified teacher. I've taught at the high school level predominantly, but I like working with middle school students. And I left Chicago Public Schools, retired, if you will, from Chicago Public Schools to start my own private education business, teaching youth business and technology with the hopes of preparing young people for careers in technology or to start their own business because business ownership is super, super important to me and the development of the black community as, as far as I'm concerned. So when I hear this statement, you can't wake a person pretending to be asleep, it reminds me of, and I should say, when I hear this quote, this Navajo quote, it reminds me of the old saying that you can take a horse to the water, or, but you can't make them drink, right? If when I, I pondered that, I pondered that Navajo saying, but what it comes down to me is if somebody doesn't want to be there, you can't force it on them, right? Like if somebody doesn't want to participate, you can't make them, right? People have to show up ready to receive, ready to learn, ready to engage. And although, and I, I, I'll just transfer it to when I think about students, you can't force education on a student, 
we have to, as educators, identify with what students want to learn. And, and the, my, my, my thought is that if you have students in the room that want to learn that particular subject, or at least understand why they're learning it and, and how it pertains to their life or why they will benefit from it, then you can wake them, you can educate them, you can instill something in them, you can pour into them. So that's my initial take of the Navajo saying. That's great. I never thought about the participation angle, leading a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. That's a good, that, that, I think that's a good approach to this, you know, and I don't know, Scott or Dan, you know, if you guys were thinking about this, like, what is pretending to be asleep and waking someone up, you know, sleeping and waking are the, are the loaded words in this quote, which may be even deserving of, of circling them, talking about what those mean with the kids, if you're doing this in a class beforehand. You know, the way I was thinking of it was, you know, waking is more of an awareness and, and an intelligence, maybe a, like a want of education. That's kind of how I was thinking of wake. And then asleep, I thought about like, you know, pretending to be asleep. I thought about the phrase willful ignorance, where some people, they don't want to know. They don't want to change. They are who they are. They know what they know. And if you're going to try to disrupt it, you're going to get a lot of pushback. Uh, and, and it's a question as to whether or not it's worth your time and effort with certain people, right? And, and I think that this quote, back to what Scott was saying, like it's, I think it's saying that it's almost like, hey, let it go. You know, you can't wake someone who's pretending to be asleep. So why don't you focus on the other people who are already awake and do something with them? You know, don't, don't waste your time with certain individuals. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's, I no, that makes, that like makes that. perfect. That makes perfect sense to me, especially when you said some people don't want to know. I know for a fact on certain things I choose to be naive about. I'd rather not know a lot of things. Yeah. I'd rather be kept out of the loop on some things. Right. Um, I don't know when you were planning to, you know, bring that other piece that I told you, you kind of dropped on when me. it's natural. The counterclaim. So, if you want to go, go. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't, right? But, but you put it out there where we were. You threw something out there with me to kind of weigh in on this. Will the slap heard? They've coined it now, right? It's yeah. the slap heard around the world, right? Look at that market. <laughs> uh, they did that. Media did that. Um, I didn't want to address it. I didn't want to talk about it because, and so just that point, and so. And there are some topics where I choose to stay out of, like I choose to, I don't want to know the details. There are a lot of things where I'd rather, the less I know, the better off for me. So yeah. that reminds me, and it, it, hey, it's quite selfish, but hey, you know, it, it works for me sometimes. And it may just take time for me to, when you give that scenario about 
layoff backup. Don't don't force me into it. Will we will individuals will awake in their own time. In their own time. When I think about wake, I think about awareness. I think about re a refresh. Yeah. Because you've had time to rest. So if you're waking, you're re-energized. So it's a fresh perspective. When I think about sleeping, I definitely think about um, being unaware, right? Being, um, you know, resting, of course, but just being unaware, just like uh, vegging out, right? Just not being present, if you will. So, yes. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and as you were talking, Scott, it made me think of just today at, in class that this pandemic, the, the impact that this has had on young people is something that I cannot put into words. I, I'm going to say zombie teaching. This is this is the era of, of teaching like zombies. And I say that not as a, as a criticism at all. I say this as a collective kind of, they're asleep. Like I, I, I'm doing everything I can to wake them, but it, I realize how limited I am in breaking them out of their zombie-like state that was put on by the pandemic. And that is the real challenge of teaching right now. Yeah, yeah. You, I would say teachers from that that share that perspective. The teachers are the ones that sleep. I would, I would, I would look. I'm gonna flip this on his ear. These kids are wide awake. The pandemic, the pandemic forced everybody to evaluate their purpose in life. Right, and it's one of the byproducts of it. Let me let me share with you my understanding. Kids don't talk like we talk, like we we old. Look, I said it intentionally like that. I know I use some broke. We old, y'all. We old. We're old. We're outdated to some of these young people. We think they don't talk. They don't communicate. We think that they speak broken. You know, they don't write well. I, I would beg to differ. I think these kids are not only the most resilient generation in the history of mankind, those that are still here attending school, but I believe they are the most, they have so much depth in them. And I think the challenge is we as educators, many of us are so gung-ho on this doggone getting back to the way things were when the pandemic projected these kids 10 years ahead. If you don't know who Blackpink is, if you don't know who, um, what's this guy, Sleepy, Sleepy One, if you don't know who these people are and you're teaching young people, you're probably the one that's out of touch. These kids are what they have, We've given them the keys to the Emerald City without any uh, regulation. What do I mean by that? They have access to the internet. And when I tell you they can look up anything and everything, they do. 
And we, they're looking at us like, why are we so antiquated? Because we're scared to talk about stuff like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. When that's what they're really kind of into. And I'm not, let me, let, me, let me retract that statement. I'm not saying all these kids are into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But I'm saying they all have a perspective of it. Because trust me, they, they, they've, they've explored it. They've looked at it at the very least. I'm not suggesting that they're all into it. You know one, one statistic? That's really, really interesting to me. And I'm just exploring it. And so let me let me let me restate that. One, I have I have a thought that is interesting to me. I wonder what's going on with teen pregnancy. I just don't see it like I used to when we were coming up. And I wonder what's going on with that for lots of reasons. We have this gender transformation. We think that they're all having sex, but maybe not. I don't know. Are they having babies? Are they getting pregnant? Mm -hmm. Is this abortion issue really an issue to the point where it's like, uh, you know, a, a endemic, you know what I mean? Is there, is there, is there an end? Is that the right word? Is there an epidemic around abortions and pregnancy? Yeah. And I, you know, I really want to know, but I don't see teenagers pregnant like I did in the 80s and 90s, right? Mm -hmm. So that goes back to, I think it's not the kids that are zombies. I think the kids are wide awake, man. I think the kids are wide awake. It's us teachers. Although, Ooh. although Scott, I got to push back a little bit Let's here. Let's do it. Okay. Because what, what I've noticed in two years is there is a loss of human connection where they have a very difficult time communicating with one another. I had a high school, a high school student come up to me after class and said to me, I forgot how to interact with somebody. I, I had them doing like some pair activity where they had to just share an idea. And, and, and th this was a 17 year old going to be graduating from high school and could not function in an environment where she had to communicate with another person. That, that I, I think that's real. I would agree with you, but I wonder what it's like for her to communicate with somebody that she's intimate with. And I don't mean, I mean, somebody that she's close with, a family member, a friend that she's grown up with versus a stranger. I'm a thinking socialite. And yes, I'm over 50 years old, right? I'm 51 years old, but I'm a thinking socialite. I like hanging out with people. Let me tell you, one thing I found out about myself during this pandemic is I'm okay with not hanging out. I'm absolutely okay with these virtual settings because society to me, and I don't know if young people feel this way, but we've become so sensitive. We can't have, it's almost like you can't have a damn opinion anymore. Right. They used I came up in an age where you had an opinion and and nobody got up out their seat and comedians could be comedians. And there's no no shade to pro protecting your woman or, you know, coming at when people who have um, medical conditions. It's no shade to that. But I know you all know Andrew Dice Clay. You guys know Richard Pry. You know, Eddie. Mer I mean, come on, man. That that joke. OK, so. It kind of kind of supports like we're so sensitive. I don't know if I say anything 
you know, I had a hamburger. Somebody is a vegan in the room and is going to judge me for eating meat. And now I'm damn near not invited back in their house or something like I'm a heathen now. So I'd rather just hang out with folks that I kind of know. Or, you know, what's even better going back to my point about being naive. I ain't even got to know you that deep and have a great relationship with you. And I think, you know, there's some truth in that, too. I would agree. Luckily, we came up with that skill set, right? The three of us don't know each other, can jump into a deep conversation, disagree. We're not going to fight, right? We're not going to be mad at each other. And we probably maybe could still get together and have a beer and enjoy each other's company. But to your point, to your point, Dan, I think you're right. Like um, some of that knowing, that skill that we came up with before social media, before Instagram, before we came up before, before Yo! MTV Raps, we came up before television was a thing. We played outside. These kids don't. So I think we as the adults in the room have to really learn to appreciate where they are and not hold them accountable to our standards. And I think that's the flip for teachers today, getting in where they are. You know, we still talk about Facebook and and, and Instagram and Twitter. They, They, I promise you, we're dating ourselves when we say that. If we're not talking about Discord or Twitch or something else that they're really into, then it shows our disconnect from them. And that's why it was not that that's our premise at Genius Lab. That's the name of the company that I run. We start day one. We don't even go into introducing ourselves. Our first question is what's your name? What's your favorite food? What's your, what are you into? Who are you listening to? What programs are you watching? That kids really want to know that you care about them first before they give a damn about you and what you got to say out of your mouth. Yeah. That's my perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. And the the one part of the quote that I don't know, I found it most interesting because I think it pushes it into another realm is the word pretending. If you're pretending to be asleep, it, it's it's one of those like you're kind of like part of the problem, the learner. If you, if you want to think about the teacher trying to wake up the learner for a moment, the knowledge trying to convey it to someone, if the learner is pretending to be asleep, it's kind of a game that they're playing where it doesn't matter. Let, let's think about it like this. If you're a teacher, there's certain kids that you could try to understand them 100% where they're coming from, this or that, but whatever is in the way of them, they're, they're going to not receive. Okay. That, um, even if you're, although I don't really truly believe that honestly, because if you're serious about it, you can get to anyone. Maybe that's the counterclaim, but I, I don't know. I think that the pretending is the, is the, uh, is the interesting word out of this quote. And my question to you guys is what would make someone want to pretend to be asleep so that no one would bother them with new knowledge or with a new idea 
or with whatever the teacher's trying to tell me because I got my world and I got these things going on. Where's that coming from, the pretending part? That's a good question. Good question, because pretending, it's almost a little bit negative. You know, who's pretending to be asleep, they're faking it. They're tricking somebody. They're, they're hiding their true potential and they're just pretending. Well, nobody, you know, you don't want to teach kids who are pretending to be asleep when really they're awake and they're just not giving you the benefit of the doubt. There you go. Because you're the authority annoying them. There you Here's go. Here's another thing. Last week, I, I, I was talking to another teacher. You know, we're just venting about a lot of stuff. And he made an interesting comment. He said, when I bump in front of class, I feel like I'm just competing with their phones. That, 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 that what's on their phone and the human being in the room have equal value, which is, great. which is amazing. So go ahead, Dan, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's, that was it. I, I, no, I look, ran out of gas. No, look, man, hundred <laughs> percent. You are competing with their phones. hundred percent. In 2012, when I left Chicago public schools, you know, I was under fire for not always going with administrative's rule, administration's rules. One of the rules were they wanted teachers to take students' phones. We're talking 10 years ago, 2012. And really this was happening between like 2007, 2008, you know, it was like heavy. The phones were kind of new and Kids were just getting, you know, they're just getting into the schools and it's like they're passing these text messages. And so I was like, first of all, because I got in trouble once, I took a student's phone and it broke. I, I like dropped it and cracked it. And now I'm on the hook for paying for it. I'm like, nah, you're not about to. I'm, I'm, I'm over this. So I refused to take students' phones again. And then they wanted us to, you know, we'll send them to the office. And I'm like, look. There's too much distraction over a phone that at the time I'm using my phone for business. I'm using my phone to make money. I'm actually using my phone for connections. I was on LinkedIn back then. So what I started doing and it happened today, I was in a school today and uh, they had their Chromebooks. And I started this back in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. When I ask you a question, if you're on your phone, if you're looking at me while I ask you a question, you're crazy. Now, I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, yo, I'm asking you a question about a fact and you're sitting in front of your Chromebook and you're waiting on me to give you an answer. Look it up. Look it up. And then then today what happened is a student was attempting to tell me a piece of information that I had the full story on. I had the whole, all the facts. And they looked at like a piece of a sentence and attempted to extrapolate that as the answer. And I pushed back. It was like, you're not even reading the whole, you know, text. That's not the correct. It was, says it right here. And I said, what does it say after that? And I, oh, it says, yeah. So now I'm forcing them Hey, you're going to be on these phones? 
you want to grade, you you know, and I don't, I'm, 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 I'm ancillary. I don't give grades, but you want to show that you're learning, prove it. Use your phone for something else. You're sitting on a phone, get the facts of the information. It makes you sound, I mean, you're more intelligent when you can speak to facts. Every question that you have, you can look it up. And the kids don't really know that. They don't really yeah. understand that. And we have to kind of guide them to that. And so it's not, it's not cheating anymore. It was cheating back, back in the day. Today it's research. It's gathering data. It's comparing facts. It's ensuring that your source is credible. It's these things that we can turn these phones into. Okay, you want to make a TikTok about this topic. Post an Instagram about three things you learned today. But see, schools don't want you doing some of that stuff either. They don't want you tagging. So create a business account, teachers. Create an education account and tag that account. Seriously, I'm saying it. I'm saying it on record. If, if if schools don't get in tune with this, you're gonna we're gonna lose students by the droves, and not necessarily in enrollment, but into this engagement, this conscious slumber. Yeah, conscious slumber. Love it. I hey, Sky, share your your approach with the phones and stuff. I struggle with that. I was 2012, 2019. Okay, my thought was always like, could we stop talking about phones? Like, let me work it into my syllabus. And and yeah, they're going to abuse it, but they're also going to abuse oxygen by sitting in the back of my room and doing nothing and not paying attention. You know, so I was I'm the same way. We haven't made that pivot yet. But Dan, what you were saying um, is is different. I think what you're saying is is true as well, where they're not, they're so habitual. It, it's They were on their phones it, two straight years, for a year and a half, whatever. It's so, it's so profound. You're just, it, it's, don't take it personally. You know, no, I, 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 mean, don't, I don't. But But again, this is the adjustment, right, that we're working with, because sometimes in class, when it is a factual, we're not off the topic here. We're, we're going with this. Um, when you're looking up facts, phones are, are great. When you need information, I, I call on people to, to use their phone to find things. But when you're in discussions and there's critical thinking that has to happen where they're connecting different things, where they really need, you need an attention and a focus towards ideas that are already out there, that's when if they're doing the TikTok, it, it's just yeah it's just, it, 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 that doesn't that doesn't it's a distraction so it can be the the best possible thing and a, and a distraction within the same class period yeah um, dan we yeah. have a rule at genius lab so it's a 45 second rule we know you all know I haven't done any scientific research on this, but teachers can be a bit loquacious, right? We can talk. We are very verbose as <laughs> teachers. We can fill a class period with hearing our own voice. And sometimes what we realized at Genius Lab is that we don't give students enough time to even think of an answer. 
So we have a 45 second rule at Genius Lab. We ask a question and then we must be silent for up to 45 seconds. And what we found out is that silence is much louder than the sound of our voices. And what we've also found is that you'll, in those 45 seconds, which is an eternity, by the way, you'll hear stuff like, wait, what did you say? What are we doing? What's going on? And they're really just, and I'm talking about if you're sitting there, standing there, and you ask a question and you're engaging, like you're waiting on a response, try it. The longest we've ever had to wait was 45 seconds in our seven years of doing this rule. But generally after about 10 or 15 seconds, you get some engagement generally with, what did you say? Because they so used to hearing us talk, they, they don't even know what, what's, what's what. So we have to be quiet sometimes. And then just simply restate the question and then be quiet. Not teachers, don't say a word, don't say, come on, you can figure this, stop talking. <laughs> They get tired. You are with them every single day. I'm with you. I they love silence. I think silence is the greatest thing ever yeah. in a discussion. You got to give them that 45 seconds. To I give them more than that. I give them more than that, Scott. I, I will wait until someone says something. And it generally will happen within 45 seconds. Yeah, which it is generally will happen time. within 45 seconds. And that's a long time. I mean, it's a long time. But about the 45 second mark, what you have to what, what we've realized is that maybe we didn't state the question clear enough. Maybe it's on us at that point is that educated like, OK, let me try this again and ask it again. Do you understand the question? And then just pause, just simply pause. A lot of great stuff will come out. One of the things that we found at Genius Lab is that students are just simply afraid of being wrong, man. You know, kids don't, you know, kids, yeah. Let me pick up on that, please. The it, it, the fear of like rejection or that you're going to be wrong or you're going to be seen as not smart, that runs a room. And I'm going to argue that that is related to pretending to be asleep. Because if you pretend you're asleep, and someone asked you a question and you don't have an answer, you can always say you were, you know, oh, oh, yeah, you just woke me up, man. I don't know. You know, it, it, it's willful ignorance. It's a way to get out of ever having someone say, oh, you didn't know what you were talking about. Really? I don't care. How about that? You know, trump that one. I think that kids use that as a defensive Absolutely. thing. You know, and, you know, let me let me throw this out, bringing it back to the quote. You can't wake someone pretending to be asleep. We've talked about how, you know, it, it, that's a difficult thing here. You can lead a horse to water. You can't force him to drink. Is there is there a counterclaim to this? Is there something that is another way to look at this where, you know, maybe if you identify that someone's pretending to be asleep, you actually do have some tools at your disposal, some tactics, some things you can try where you can get them really woke. You know, it, it, so the, I'm going to pose that question to both of you. 
Here's so, a quick trick I use. It doesn't work all the time, but a quick trick. If a kid is acting like they've been asleep and they don't, and they'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, well, okay, what would you say if you did know? <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that Now, you can't use it all the time. That's classic. Man. You got to pull that out, though. That's a good one because then they, they smirk and then they come up with something. And it's, and it, I don't know, that's one little trick. No, nah, that's great because to that point, I think kids do want to come off as they do know. So, um, and I want to go back to, uh, Steve, the point that you made about, you know, acting like they don't care. That I don't care sentiment also shows up sometimes as I'm bored. It's the same, it's the equivalent to I don't care. This is boring. This isn't enough to keep me in it. Yeah. But Dan, I really like that tool. That's a smart one, man, because you're you're giving students the space to try and answer. And I think that's something else we have to remind students that school is the place to make your mistakes. Unfortunately, you know, those grades are so punitive, right? They they hurt to get C's. If you're not getting a B or better, it hurts a student. And so we have to figure out a way to how to, you know, take that. I've, all, I've always been against, well, in the last 20 years, for the 20 years I've been against that grading system. It sucks. It sucks. It doesn't, it doesn't really help. And so one of another tool that I've used in the classroom, which my some of my principals like, some of my principals really appreciate it. I say I'm taking grades. Like you can, everybody gets the A. Everybody gets the A. Now you have to, you can lose it. How do I lose it? Don't come to class, cut class, don't do the assignments, then you can lose it. But if you turn, I mean, man, I had, you know. 80% of my students did everything to maintain that A or B. And it really was, and I used to say this all the time, you you worked hard to fail a Mr. Stewart class. You yeah. worked really hard to fail. If I failed a student, and unfortunately I have failed a couple of students, but I just couldn't pull them out of whatever they were dealing with outside of my classroom. It, it just wasn't appealing enough to them. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. Yeah. And, and, that sucks. Those things kind of stick with me as an educator, but I learned also that I'm not Superman. I'm not going to be able to save them all. I wish I could. Yeah. Um, and I try, but it's okay. I, I'm some, you know, they'll get their lessons somewhere else. And My you know, here's is. that's, that's, that's great. I, I totally agree. We don't want to ever be in a position of failing a student. It's just, we can't win all the battles sometimes. And that's an important part of really any, any profession. You know, I was, I was also thinking a counterclaim, you know, you can't wake a person who is pretending to be asleep. What can we do to wake a person who's pretending to be asleep? I've found in my career, and I, I'm 29 years now, that I win a lot of my battles one-on-one not not in the classroom that i invest two minutes with a student before class or after class or shoot them an email or something to acknowledge their individuality 
and form a relationship independent of the classroom, that that's a way to wake up a student. And I, I think we forget that, you know, teachers, we want to, we want to, like you're saying, we want to talk to the group. We want the group to love us. We want to solve all the problems collectively. But I think the battles are won individually. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you too on that as well. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah, and the balance is to have an approach, you know, because you are a teacher. You got to have a class, you know, but you also have to realize that all these kids are at varying levels of consciousness, maybe is a way to say it. You know, you got to have strategies for the ones that are asleep. You got to have strategies for the ones pretending. You got to be ready to help the ones that are just wide eyed and bushy tailed and are wondering why we're not going quicker. You know, it, that's what's hard about teaching. Yeah, I'm, I'm challenged with recognizing that I don't always know what's going on in a kid's home or background. Um, abuse of all kinds. It doesn't always have to be sexual or physical. Emotional abuse is real. When you got a parent that's talking down on you, even if it's even if the parent doesn't realize they're doing it, they can. There's some dream killers in homes, um, homelessness, um, uh, the, their own depression. Those things are very real for first, second graders, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You know what I mean? There, and I think sometimes we as teachers assume, and we've said it. I've never said it. I, I'm 100%. I've never said it to a kid, but I've heard students, I've heard teachers say it. You don't have any problems. What are your problems? All you have to do is go to school. You don't have anything to worry about. You don't have, that's so foul, man. That's oh. so foul. You, you have no idea. That's the type of verbal abuse, emotional abuse to discredit a kid. That's out of pocket. That's out of pocket. And even attempting to tell a my colleague about that i don't have the i don't have the tools to even bring it to them in a way that they would receive that as not the best approach right um because that's where they're coming from so it is a hard job it's a very very difficult job and dan you've been at it for 29 years i'm sure some of you you have some very successful students and it's super super important but i'm telling you the I just, I know there are a lot of teachers that just don't have the empathy that's required to really help the majority of students be successful. Because I don't give a crap about a test score. I know test scores are important into getting into good schools. I know, but those test scores don't have anything to do with how successful you're gonna be in life, what kind of person you're gonna be in life. I was an average student. I remember once one year I was teaching at Chicago State and the valedictorian of my graduating class came in, could not believe that I was their professor. So she's a valedictorian, life hitter. You know, she ran into some challenges and was going back to school as an adult. Fine, there's no big deal about that. But she couldn't believe that I was the teacher and wound up dropping the class, you know? so. 
those test scores don't mean anything to me. I mean, of course, you probably get in Harvard and maybe be a Supreme Court justice one day if you play your cards right, of course. But it still doesn't dictate yeah. what kind of person you'll be. So we really have to build the character of our students. And that's yeah. what's most important to me. That's that, great. We, we got to, that's our conversation 2.0. This idea that I think education in general has just lost its way. It doesn't have a purpose anymore. It started for a certain reason in the 19th century. Now we're just going through the motions. We don't know what we're doing. And I think it needs to come back to that, the character thing. Because yeah. that's how it started. It, 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 most of the, the schooling in America was religious-based or it was based in getting people to good, be good democratic citizens or whatever the, the, there was a purpose to this. There was something that you could really measure yourself by that meant something in your life and how you function with the rest of society. You know, not just your own ambition. So we're lost there, you know. I, that's that's a little preview for another conversation right there. Yeah, I, I agree. We. We need to your point, Scott, we all need to adapt to post pandemic teaching and learning. And we're not there yet. And the question I have from this conversation, and if you guys have any that surfaced from this, it, my question, my takeaway is, you know, what is the, the best way to teach kids after the pandemic to help them reach their full potential? That's like centerpiece in my in my mind that I'm still mulling over and is really important. Yeah. Do you well, guys have any kind of I question have, that pops into your head? I have some ideas around it. There, um, there are a couple of there's an organization, there's a company you all might be familiar with it called Thrively. They're not paying me to do this. They're not paying me to talk about them. Talk about it. Their, their, their approach is ask the kids what they want to do and teach them that until they either succeed at it or decide that they no longer want to do it. And then whatever they are energy, you know, focused on it, teach them that. Just get to it. You got a kid that wants to be a pilot. Hey, put a, figure out how to get them to learn about as much about aerospace dynamics or being a pilot as you can right until either they become a pilot or they say you know what nah, i think i just want to you know uh, be an accountant i want to be an i want to do actuary or whatever figure out what these kids want to do and get to teaching them that i yeah. think it's the piece and then now you can now you can tie in the importance of reading the importance of social studies the importance of economics, the importance of science, the importance of these things in order to perform at the highest level at whatever it is that you're doing. That they want to do. That's, part, that's, a, that, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a great uh, answer. I like the, that. I like question. that. And Scott, of course, the challenge to that, it's a challenge everywhere. Even with kids in college, these kids don't know what they wanted. Or, or, or I shouldn't say it like that. They want to do things, but it changes so quickly, right? So a lot of times I'm wondering if it's if it's certain like tools or skills or 
activities that we should be giving them to as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's, but, but the idea of going with what it is that they're motivated with is gold, you know, because that's going to keep the engagement. They're not going to want to be asleep. They're not going to pretend to be asleep. You know, they're going to be ready to learn, right? So that, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I have a, Dan, you were going to say something. No, no. I have a kid who came to me and he says, because Genius Lab needs its own tablet. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I start exploring, what does this look like, your own tablet? And I dig into him and I realize he's just really just saying, he, he would like Genius Lab to have like a private label device. Maybe we go to Apple and slap our tag on it, right? And put a logo on it and right. we sell it as our, but, th- he, but in his mind, Genius Lab creates a whole new device. So I started taking him through the process. And now his, you can just see his, 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 his man, his wheels are spinning about what it takes to do such a thing. Right. And now he has some perspective around that thing. And he's like, oh, he doesn't, he didn't realize he was just describing Genius Lab having an app that sits on all of these other platforms. He, he didn't know, he didn't know. But now he's like, I wanna learn how to build an app. Right. And so we're on that journey until he either builds an app figures it out because you figure you all of us we do stuff until we bump our heads right and you Dan, steve you said it what's the best what's this what's the tools to teach them that the experience of doing the thing you fall a few times you scrape your knee you proverbial you know you break your proverbial leg in the process i hope you don't ever break a leg right but you 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 mess up along the way and that's the best Education. I also want to say this one thing, two more things, and then I think I'm quiet. I think us teachers need to be more transparent and honest with our students about our journey. And if we can demonstrate to students what it is that we're teaching them, that's how I came up with my book. If we can demonstrate to teachers, I mean to students, what we're teaching them and how we've done it, right? So I'm telling students, hey, you can come up with an idea and people will pay you for it. They don't understand that concept. So I had an idea for a book. I said, you know what? I'm going to show you all. So I wrote a book and I self-published it. And I brought in 100 copies and gave one to all of my kids. They were like, whoa, I'm a superhero to these guys, man. I'm a superhero. Like, how'd you do this? What? And I'm taking through the process. I had an idea and blah, blah, blah. I self-published, I got my own publishing. I, I looked it up, I researched it, I wrote it. It's some, it's some typos in there, yeah, some, but that's okay. It's, I did it on my dime and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that I wrote that in 2010 and the book still sells today, I get I get my old student, man, it's banana. So I think those are the things that we have to do. We have to show them that we're not just in there blowing smoke, teaching yep. the English class and they never wrote anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's great. That's that's inspiring. They you need we need to live the example 
that we're setting for them so that they see us as authentic and, and living the life that, that we're suggesting that is valuable to them. Absolutely. We got to play the game. Well, well, Scott, this has been just a great, great conversation. We, I'm really glad that we took this quote. You can't wake a person who's pretending to be asleep and immediately went right into education and, and what's going on now with the pandemic and everything. I think that was the right direction to take with this. And I really appreciate your, your ideas, your perspective and, and how you look at the world. It's, it's, it's really great. So thank you so much for, for coming on, on the Teach Different podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible with just a little bit of planning and a three-step method. Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation plans where we've compiled dozens of quotes, each with their own claim, counterclaim, and essential question. Good luck, and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.